The Lancet Psychiatry Podcast, bringing you the latest news and views from around the world of mental health. Thanks for joining us. Throughout the pandemic, there has been a tension between taking the public health measures needed to halt infections and the disruptions that these measures have had in our daily lives. One group particularly vulnerable to the impact of lockdowns and social distancing measures are children and young people. In addition to the negative repercussions on their education, school shutdowns have frayed important social connections and safety nets that come along with going to school uh, on a daily basis. Here to talk about some of these issues and a new initiative to help children and young people dealing with the pandemic and its aftermath is Dr. Debbie Chalice, who is an education and outreach officer at the Library of the London School of Economics and Political Science. Uh, Dr. Chalice, thanks very much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Um, so I was hoping we could talk about a, a project that you and some colleagues have started to help uh, children and young people called uh, the Fading Rainbows Project. And I was wondering if you could uh, tell us a little bit about what, what the project is when, when designing it, what were the main goals? Well, um, basically, we put it together um, from an idea that um, children and young people were not connecting through the pandemic. And actually, we first came up with the idea last September, so eight months ago. Um, and we, did, we had no idea that there'd be a second or even third wave of COVID, actually the worst wave here in the UK. Um, but we realised that kids going back to school in September, having not seen each other for months and you know not still not seeing family um, and there were lots of reports um, particularly about young people's mental health um, through various agencies that work with them and so I wanted to to think about how we could do some kind of resource um, for the LSC festival which was about shaping the post-covid world um, that would actually help um, you know children but connect and think about what they've been through and at the same time, I, I was looking at a scrapbook that we had digitised that was from the First World War from a hospital. And it recorded you know, the soldiers coming in, visits from the royal family. Um, and then I realised that this hospital stayed open for another year to deal with the influenza crisis. So really, it started from that kind of historical connection with that scrapbook. Mm -hmm. um, and through my own experience of um, uh, you know, uh, working with care experienced children, um, basically, I know that sort of life story making and life stories are really important for them to kind of um, think about what they've been through. And myself, having gone through bereavement therapy, know that making something intangible, tangible can often help with feelings and expression and, you know, keep a record of what you've, you've been through, particularly if you've been through loss or, you know, that, that kind of trauma. So um, I thought this would be a good way forward. So I, I also then talked to an artist about thinking about more creative ways that we could work, you know, together. Um, and then I had the historical sort of angle, if you like. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was pointed towards this report on grief, loss and social order by um, colleagues in the Department of International Relations. And that perfectly summed up the kind of sense, a wider sense from the individual of society and community and the importance of mourning together mm -hmm. and how different countries had coped with certainly with the first wave of the pandemic and you know, going forward, um, thinking about what happened with the influenza, but other pandemics that have happened over the 20th century and early 21st century. 
And I would just realise that this kind of could give us the, a, a focus of a way in to kind of talk to children, you know, um, ages sort of nine to 11 about, you know, what has happened, what's happened before, how different countries responded to it and, you know, how, how we come together um, to, to basically um, to think about what we've gone through and reflect on it, but also kind of come together and, and heal really. Mm-hmm. Is it just from ages nine to 11? What's the age range? And then how do kids actually get involved with the project? How do you guys out, you know, outreach to, to, to kids? So we worked, we worked with the school essentially on it, uh, which was a very interesting experience because essentially we contacted them in September, they were on board um, and um, I had this idea that we'd work with the school, they'd pilot the project, but we'd work with them to kind of, you know, make, make it happen in their classroom. And then we put out some electronic resources, online resources through um, this Times Education Supplement resource area. So other schools could download what we'd come up with, basically. Um, so we worked with this one school um, in Collindale, which is in North London. Um, and they're quite a large primary school, it's free form entry. Um, essentially, we were supposed to be working with the year five, which is nine to ten year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of ended up working with year six as well. Um, but we also wanted to get a sense of how what their feelings were. So we created a survey and we went through all the ethical processes within LSE to do that, um, that they could fill in online. And I say it was an interesting experience because, of course, so we um, so we were going through the second lockdown, which actually schools didn't close in November when we were sort of devising it. Um, and at, at their request, we did something a bit more around the war and the flu, which was mainly to do with sort of, you know, um, the end of the First World War and the influenza pandemic. Um, and then we um, and then we were devising this kind of sort of half term, so sort of six week program of a mixture of sort of PowerPoint presentations, interviews of academics and arts, things to do, basically creativity to create their own scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, we got to sort of Christmas. I ordered all the scrapbooks. Um, unfortunately, I ordered them to home because so I've been working at home since last March. And um, and of course, then we went into another national lockdown in which schools closed in January. Mm. Uh, thank goodness I had ordered them home because it meant that I could then send them individually out and the school then addressed them individually to all the students. So every student got a scrapbook some art materials um, and then they could work with uh, teachers through Zoom to basically, you know, so that's why we created these videos. So mm-hmm. essentially we had to just be responsive. Um, you know, normally it's very, when I normally run a sort of session in the school and I've done this a few, t- you know, over the last few years running art sessions straight history, I'm normally much more hands-on, but I kind of had to sort of just liaise with the teachers and hand it over. Mm. And kind of just sort of, you know, almost every week be sending them stuff and, you know, and, and sending all this material out. So it was a very different way of working. Um, but it seemed to be successful in that we had um, almost 120 fill in the survey that we created online um, by about mid-February. Um, and that's where we got these infographics from that kind of create sort of um, response to how the children are feeling. Um, and then, and then, these scrapbook pages that came back. Um, I've not actually seen the scrapbooks because the kids have them, but it, it meant that, and the teachers also then, because they just sort of did a daily Zoom check-in with the kids. So mm-hmm. they, they then used some of the lessons to talk through some of the issues around COVID-19 as a kind of check-in me- mechanism. And I guess one thing I'm, I'm curious about is, um, you know, I don't know if, if there's, I feel like sometimes there's maybe a sense, especially with children to maybe, you know, maintain, 
like a positivity, you know, things are going to get better, you know, this isn't a big deal. But obviously, you know, kids are very sensitive. They, they understand what's going on. This is having a big impact. Do, do you see, is there, you know, I'm just curious with student responses, is there a focus on sort of, I don't want to say mourning, but just sort of like processing the, you know, the loss of school, of, of not being able to see friends, you know, not just thinking about a bright future, a brighter future, but actually just processing what has happened, you know, how am I dealing with that? Or is, do you feel like this program provides an outlet for, for students to be able to, to do that? Yeah, I mean, that's very much what the heart of it was, actually, is, is an outlet. So something, for, um, something that's become... Um, fortunately, I mean, I think it should all, always have been important, actually, is something called the recovery curriculum. But certainly last summer, there was lots of, you know, education, people talking about that, teachers, but also, you know, wider. Um, that isn't just about focusing on kids getting back to school and, you know, picking up what they've lost in terms of academically, but also recovering their kind of social interaction and also processing their loss. And this was last summer, so before actually the majority of deaths happened. So we were very conscious that, especially in January, February, that you know, every night you see these awful pictures, you know, even on Newsround, which is like the children's programme of news, if you like, of what was going on in hospitals here, that people, you know, may well know, children would probably know somebody who died um, possibly relatives, that kind of thing. So the fourth lesson was really about mourning and memorials. Um, and Kate Miller, one of the academics who wrote this report, really talks about how we remember things and how we remember people. And one of the worksheets the artist um, Becky Kenning de devised was around, you know, how you create your own memorial and that, you know, you can create anything. And we did actually get some back, actually, which is quite interesting of, you know, kids interpretation of memorials for somebody or something special it wasn't always somebody it could be a way of life you know that you'd had before that you missed you know mm -hmm. football, that kind of thing but you know on the um on the survey there was actually quite I can't remember the exact figures now um but there was quite a high proportion of children who had lost a relative in mm -hmm. due to COVID or during the year because I think although you know the bereavement always happens but the process of lockdown on COVID-19 means that even if you lost somebody to cancer or something that wasn't COVID, you couldn't see them and you couldn't mourn in the same way. You see what I mean? Yeah. So I think that was really important to recognise. So yeah, it was at the heart of it, but then we kind of, the fifth lesson was a bit more hope for the future. Mm -hmm. And you know, and so it wasn't, it didn't finish too downbeat, but we did talk about, you know, death and we didn't use, I mean, I remember saying to the academics, don't use words like loss or, you know, passed on because children of that age don't know what that means and it's a euphemistic term yeah. and actually you need to say deaf and dead and that kind of bit and you know we took advice on that from you know sort of charities that deal with um bereavement charities um about what children's understanding is at certain points you know in their in their age and in the development i guess my next question is kind of on a bigger and, and longer term scale what what role do you see for public institutions like, you know, the LSE library, like, like museums for helping young people make sense of what they've gone through over the last, you know, year, year and a half? So I think one of the first things to say is that, you know, actually, I think for young people and children, um, the next year or two is going to be really key. And actually, they'll respond to it at different times. And I think you're right about sort of the keeping it together while we're going through it 
And actually, when we come back out and things go back to a kind of normal, again, I don't think it's going to be the same, but there's a kind of normal. And, you know, it's almost like your society, you know, you're, you're expected to drop all those feelings of anxiety suddenly, you know. And actually, I don't think that that won't, that won't happen. And that won't happen for lots of young people and children. And what can museums and institutions like the LSE and LSE Library do? Um, I think is to be, is to, is to lead on kind of offering an outlet, an expression of, of somewhere that people can come and access resources to help them. Obviously, you've got charities and you have got, you know, cams and things like that. But I think there is a role for us to... Um, support people's well-being. Um, unfortunately, um, for the last few years, there has been an increased interest by museums, and art galleries, and libraries in well-being. And there's, you know, resources. So, for example, at the Whitworth Gallery in Manchester, there's actually a group that works with um, women or parents who've gone through neonatal loss and stillbirths, that kind of thing. And you know, you might think, well, that's quite, you know, for an art gallery, that's you know, how do they do that? And it's mm-hmm. been really successful. And I think we, we need to think about those, that kind of support for people who have been through that, but also an outlet of, you know, this is where we can come and talk about this. You know, yeah. this, is, this is where we can remember this. And also when it comes out, I mean, obviously I'm a historian, so I'm biased, but when it comes down to it, we, societies have been through this before and we haven't always dealt with it very well, frankly. I mean, the influenza epidemic after the trauma of the First World War arguably we didn't deal with it at all you know it's there in traces but part of the problem with that is you know I don't think it was dealt with very well there wasn't you know memorials it's not taught in schools you know it's Mm -hmm. not even though it was massive um so I think we have to learn from the past you know how not to deal with things as well as how to deal with things that's it for this episode from the entire editorial team at the Lancet Psychiatry thanks for listening Be well and stay safe.